following program is pre-recorded. Live from the Hope Center in Plano, Texas, this is Hope in the Night, late night talk radio offering biblical hope and practical help and on the air now for over 25 years. I'm Jeff Oliver here with author and speaker June Hunt. Well, June, we talk about practical help and is this practical? Does everybody at some point come into conflict with somebody else? I think it's well, unavoidable. Let me, let me ask, do you have a nose? Uh, do, you, do you do breathe air? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's unavoidable. And it really, it does not have to be avoided. Uh, it is something that we, that really God can use to strengthen us and to strengthen relationships. And so it's not always a bad thing. But how do we um, identify then those who would be avoiders and those who would be attackers, let's say, for conflict resolution? You know, we, I remember when we were developing this material, um, I, I, I took a creative approach, and, and I, I won't get into that at the moment, but um, um, we, we deal with different kinds of attackers, and, um, and I'm talking about um, wolves and snakes and hornets and characteristics of each. <laughs> And how people can be this way. Uh, at some point, I'll, I'll lay this out. And then three passive avoiders are the turtles, the chameleons, and the weasels. And, and again, what, what does that look like? But l- let me do a general category of attackers. Um, by the way, did you ever have anybody saying to you, Jeff, you'll never change? Oh, yes. Okay. See, I, I heard that. Heard and that. that that would, and, and I'm thinking right now of someone that I was close to who would just say, well, you'll never change. And I, it really hurt, but that person would be considered an attacker. Um, it, it's, it's in essence like you don't have what it takes to succeed in life. Uh, you failed again. You are a failure. Mm. Uh, it's your fault if our relationship fails. Uh, you can't even do the simplest things correctly. You're hopeless. There's no hope for you. Uh, you're stupid. Uh, so stupid. You don't have enough sense to get out of the rain. I mean, yeah. some people are like that, and that's more overt, obviously. Um, so instead of focusing on faults of others out of pride, the Bible tells us to bear the burdens of others out of humility. Uh, specifically, Galatians 6, verse 2 begins this way. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. Now, those are attackers that I'm describing. Uh, there are f- avoiders, but it's more not what they say out loud, but it's what they say to themselves. You should never, or I should never create conflict in our relationship. Or or you should never get angry with me because I can't handle it. Um, You should always see things my way if you really, really care about my feelings. You should always do things my way if you care about my happiness You should always trust my judgment if you respect me. You should always depend on me to make you you secure. 
uh, you should always overlook my mistakes if you really accept me. Uh, you should always seek to meet my needs if you want us to have a good relationship. Now, there are some problems with this mindset. Um, it's really expecting someone to meet all our needs. Hmm. And this is classic in very, very close relationships. However, the Bible says we are to look to the Lord to meet our needs. Very specifically, Philippians 4.19 says, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Christ Jesus. Now, the point of that is, if, and I've heard many people say, you know, well, no matter what, she should always meet my needs. This could be in marriage um, or in close friendships. Well, you should always, uh, you know, I depend on you to make me happy. How successful is that in, in reality, Jeff? Right, and that's kind of you, the test you work of our... With, you work with couples all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, people use that as the test for their closeness. You know, how, how much do we uh, complete each other, meet each other's needs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is, I, I remember thinking about one person I was close to who was very, very hard on me years ago. And I remember it was a she, and I kept, I, I, I was determined to do, to get her approval. And I was a conference speaker. This is before Hope for the Heart. And I can tell you, I tried everything, it, but she, nothing, and, and she was a leader and very competent, and I admired her. And finally, I realized it doesn't matter what I do. There will always be something she'll find fault with me about, and because she was a perfectionist, and I and I I wasn't sloppy, but I can tell you, I never met the expectation. Now that's not the relationship today. In fact, she is a forever friend, but there was a huge change that occurred. Part of it had to be I had to quit living for her approval, and that was my fault. But. Um, it was, it was like, well, the, at that time, it's like, well, if you really love me, you'll know what to do. The sound you're hearing is your generosity at work. That's our folding machine preparing hundreds of our short biblical resources to send to prisoners around the country. Hi, I'm Curtis Hale, president of Hope for the Heart. I want to say thank you for your prayers and financial support of our ministry. Thanks to your generosity, we've been able to send thousands of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to prisoners in Texas and to Rikers Island in New York City. These practical resources are pointing inmates to the hope of God's Word on issues like anger, abuse, depression, loneliness, salvation, and more. They're truly changing lives, and this is all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more life-changing biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online today at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. That's hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. Are you struggling with a difficult life issue? Maybe it's a family problem, a private struggle, or something in your past you've never resolved. The good news is you're not alone. 
Sometimes we need to talk things through with someone who will listen to our story and help make sense of what we're experiencing. For more than 20 years on Hope in the Night, June Hunt has listened to thousands of personal stories, heartaches and challenges from people like you, and provided compassionate counsel from God's Word. No matter what the issue is, family, marriage, anxiety, abuse, grief, or just the daily stresses of work and life, June would love to talk with you and share help and hope through God's Word. If you'd like to talk with June on Hope in the Night, give us a call at one 800 917 We'll protect your privacy, and sharing your story might bless someone else's life. Give us a call today at 1-800-917. That's 1-800-644-4817. Welcome back. I'm Jeff Oliver. You're listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. This is a ministry of Hope for the Heart. Our customer support team is available at 800-488-HOPE anytime Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. They'd be happy to talk with you and see what uh, maybe you're struggling with and you'd like some information on. We have resources that are sure to meet some of uh, your questions and uh, to help you to deal with uh, whatever struggle you're in in life, or maybe as you help someone else, and you can uh, pass along some information to them, recommend some resources as well. Our Keys for Living that June was just speaking about a moment ago on conflict resolution, it's called Solving Your People Problems, and that is available by calling customer support at 800-488-HOPE. That's 800-488-4673. Maybe you'd like to talk through that issue with June on a future broadcast of Hope in the Night. We have availability in the next few days as well. So please call us and we'll be happy to talk with you about getting on the program. And the way to do that is call 800-917. Just call and leave a detailed message for us. And I will call you back to schedule you for an upcoming Hope in the Night. Just see what questions you have for June and how we can help you the best. The number again, 800-917. That's 800-644-4817. Well, let's get now to our caller, who is a listener in Virginia, and uh, his, uh, he's uh, listens to us on the website. Uh, that's HopeForTheHeart.org, and you can find previous programs there. Tonight, we welcome Kevin. Well, hello, Kevin. Welcome to Hope. Oh, hello, Mrs. Hunt. This is uh, Kevin. Yes. Well, just call me June. Just plain old June, okay? Okay, and June. Thank you very much. Th- thank you. Well, what's going on? Okay, so um, long story short, I was diagnosed with manic bipolar in like the summer of 2013, and I went through therapy by myself for the first 10 years, and this time around my mom is interested in getting some some help for her depression bipolar, but Mm. she doesn't know where to start, and frankly she's really nervous that um, the trauma will come back again. Are you saying that she also has a diagnosis of being bipolar? She didn't have an official diagnosis, but growing up, she had a lot of symptoms and a lot of um, a lot of episodes linked with depressive bipolar. Okay, so describe to me what how when you say bipolar, what does that mean to you? So for 
me, I'm manic bipolar, so that means I have a lot of extra energy. I talk fast. I do everything fast. I do like 10 different projects, and I only complete one, if that. And um, there's a lot of racing thoughts in my head about what to do today, tomorrow, and the future. And I'm constantly trying to you know, be on top of the game in all areas of my life, spiritually, financially, mm -hmm. emotionally, physically. And it just feels like there's this huge burst of energy just radiating out of my body. And I just want to do a ton of things. And so are there times then the manic switches over to depressive episodes? Yeah, like usually after, say, a month of mania, I'll sleep for like two to three months and I won't do anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because that's, that is what is called bipolar, when it goes from one manic episode at a minimum of, of a week and then uh, to depressive and you, you, you basically cycle back and forth where it's depressive and this is an issue of the brain. Are you on medication for this? Yes, um, for the manic, they put me on sleeping medication and I have a very good mood stabilizer. Okay, and the important thing is when you are manic, <clears throat> um, this is where it is a big, big challenge for those who are bipolar to stay on the medicine because they don't feel they need it. Uh, I did that before during my first 10 years, and it was really bad. So, in other words, you said you learned the hard way that that is not the thing to do, to just get uh, off yeah. the medication. Yeah, because, you know, when I started feeling good, I was like, hey, I guess that means I'm, I'm cured. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, I have a niece. I said, what's been the most difficult thing for you with bipolar? And she said, it's, it was learning that I have to stay on the medication even when I don't feel like it. And I said, I'm so proud of you for doing that because usually we, we don't do something like we don't feel like we need medication. Well, if the problem is with a manic phase, um, it's many times beyond reality what a person can accomplish, but they think they can, and they mean well. They're, they're, they're not trying to um, do something wrong, but in their minds, they literally uh, have an inflated view of what they can do, and that's why having the medication um, for for both, well, for bipolar, will help, as you said, stabilize, help be a stabilizing uh, factor. And it takes sometimes a while to get that right combination uh, or the to, to get what will for sure um, be the most helpful. So I'm proud of you for knowing that you need to stay on the medication. Many people don't know what to do. True, and um, I also wanted to say, growing up, I wasn't really um, raised 
raised in America. I was raised in Korea with my mom's parents. So, like, I saw ah. two different extremes. My grandfather's a very old-school disciplinarian type of character, and he had depression growing up. And my grandmother, she's a free spirit, so she's always trying to accommodate to others and always trying to get, um, get, make sure that there's no, um, no rupture in a relationship, no rupture in the environment. Like, she's always trying to keep things as they are rather than let things, you know, fall apart or they may. And mm-hmm. so I've realized that now, living with two extreme characters, that may have been a factor. I mean, it's not an outright cause of my bipolar, but just looking at the two different extremes growing up, I just don't know how to process that. Well, there in, in depression, there are two broad categories and the two categories are situational depression based on the situation like if if the person closest to you and I'm going to even use the term a, a, a precious dog if your dog was hit and um, killed yeah. uh, it's normal for your heart to be pressed down uh, or a person that you love dearly who dies it is it, it it's it's right for us to have grief the bible says there's a time to grieve a time to mourn well that's situational depression based on the situation the other category is deals with body chemistry and so it's chemical so there's situational depression and I'm going to say chemical depression or biochemical as in your uh, biology. So, um, and that's when there are physiological changes that take place that you don't plan, you don't instigate. Um, Let me put it in a different category. There are those who have hormonal changes. Okay. Um, very specifically, let me be very concrete, there is postpartum depression. Now, I, <clears throat> regardless of what is being said by um, certain people in our government, um, a man cannot have a baby, cannot birth a baby. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, yes. Yes, of okay. course. Okay. Now, if, though, you had a, a sister and she became pregnant, there would be chemical changes uh, as she is having um, the, the physical changes of the baby growing within her. But especially okay. afterwards is postpartum, meaning after the birth, there are these physical changes, and there can be there are normal changes like the baby blues for the first two weeks, up to two weeks, and then for seventy percent of females, that's a huge percentage, and then for more, um, there's there for twenty percent of birth mothers, there would be post partum depression that can last up for up to a year and then the most severe of all is a third stage and that is only one out of every 
one or two out of every 1,000 birth mothers have postpartum psychosis. And that means they're out of touch with reality. And they absolutely need chemical help, meaning medication. And, and I'm saying that because it, this, it can be different for males versus females. And yet it's vital that you get the help that you truly need. <clears throat> so, and, and it's not about, it's not, it's not the environment. It's not meaning growing up in a particular country. Um, now, it's interesting when you mentioned about your mom, there are times when if a parent has bipolar, then the possibility of of the a child um, having that would be about fifty percent. Oh, wow. So um, I'm just giving you information. Um, I remember a long time ago looking at at that as a statistic. And that, but but the good news is, I'm hearing that you are more. And I'm, I'm going to use the term self-aware, aware of yourself. And th see, what there are some people who say, oh, you should never take medicine because that means you're not trusting God or something like that. that and that's not accurate because the Bible says God made leaves for healing, meaning medicine is biblical and accepted. But what I'm saying to you is, it is good for you to say, okay, this is body chemistry. <clears throat> it's, not, it's not choice. I'm not trying to... Um, I, I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm not processing life well. This is just going to be part of your package for a period, whatever period of time. And... The, the important thing is that you be doing what you can do um, that will help you regulate. To, to, basically, it's, it's helping your body chemistry enable you to be the maximum that you can be. Are, are we agreed on that? Well, yes, we are. Okay, good. Because, and make sure that you, you are having access to what um, if you feel good about your doctor by the way if, if at times you don't feel good about a doctor you're not um, chained to a particular doctor <clears throat> in other words you need to be aware that go to someone where you feel heard we would love your prayers here at Hope for the Heart over and over in God's word the Lord encourages us to lift up one another in prayer. We are reminded in 2 Corinthians 1.11, you help us by your prayers. So we want to encourage you to join the prayer team of June Hunt and the Ministry of Hope for the Heart. You can join the Hope for the Heart prayer team at hopefortheheart.org pray. When you sign up to join our prayer team, we will send you an email each month to keep you updated with the latest prayer needs of June Hunt and the Ministry of Hope for the Heart. Our prayer team is a great way to stay connected and support June and support the Hope of the Night broadcast. 
We are so grateful for your prayers and support of our listeners and friends like you who make this ministry possible. You can join our prayer team at hopefortheheart.org slash pray. That's hopefortheheart.org slash pray. And thank you for partnering with us in prayer. Do you ever struggle to believe that God loves you? That He accepts you, forgives you, and sees you as precious and beloved to Him? So many of us have a distorted image of God, that He is distant, disappointed, or doesn't care about what's going on in our lives. The truth is, God cares about you more than you believe. We want to encourage you to check out June Hunt's popular 31-day devotional, Seeing Yourself Through God's Eyes. You will gain biblical insight to help embrace the life-changing truth of the identity you have through your relationship with Jesus Christ. We give this devotional to every caller on Hope in the Night, and we give praise to God for how it has been used by Him to change so many lives for so many years. Get a copy of June Hunt's devotional, Seeing Yourself Through God's Eyes, for yourself or for a loved one at junehunt.org. That's junehunt.org. We're listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. I'm Jeff Oliver, and we'll get back to our caller in a moment. If you have any questions or concerns about the topic of depression, we would like to uh, let you know about some resources that we have, and uh, that would be our Keys for Living called Depression, Walking from Darkness into the Dawn. And customer support will be happy to field your questions and uh, recommend resources to you. Perhaps it is that one there. You can ask for that uh, depression. Uh, That's one of our keys for living. You can ask for that by name. Their number at customer support is 800-488-HOPE. That's anytime Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. And they'll help you access whatever resources are going to be most helpful for you. And again, their number is 800-488-HOPE. That's 800-488-4673. You could also email them if you'd uh, like to, if that's more convenient for you, at customer support at hopefortheheart.org. That's customer support at hopefortheheart.org. And ask your questions there. Let them know what resources would uh, most interest you. They'll be happy to help you. Let's get back to our conversation tonight with Kevin. Well, Kevin, when you were describing your mom, you used the term something about her bipolar depression. So is she aware? Uh, does she know what you know about bipolar? She, Not knows, really. um, she knows about half of what I'm talking about because like, um, in Korean culture, like most Asian cultures, they don't believe in mental health. So they just, they just sweep it under the rug and like they'll admit a few things here and there, but for the most part, they just keep it under wraps. Okay. So when you talked about your mom um is this is this a concern for you to want to help her it's a concern for me to want to help her but it's also me trying to advocate for my mom because she really wants help she's really tired of herself she's tired of the depression the self-hatred the criticism and just the um the loneliness like my mom she has a lot of very good friends but she feels so alone Has she, does she have a friend, a, I'll say a best friend or a close friend, 
or someone who she actually talks with or not really? Yes, she does. And I mean, for the most part, growing up, my mom said her best friend was really her mother and her grandmother because, uh. um, like, my mom's relationship with her family was uh, pretty direct, so to speak. Like, my grandfather loved my mom a lot because she was the only girl in the family, but my, my mom was more attached to her mother and her grandmother because okay. my grandfather had very violent, depressive <laughs> episodes where he'd just break things and he'd make threats, so my mom didn't know how to um, decode that, so she would always stick close to her mother. And I mean, hey, I, I really don't want to go into detail because it's just so traumatic, but she says that like the emotional abuse that she went through just really was imprinted upon her because of like his fierce, passionate rage. And I'm like, wow, I'm surprised he hasn't killed you yet. I mean, he's gone mm -hmm. now, but my mom's just like, I can tell you stories of how he made these crazy threats on your mother, your grandmother, and myself, and it's just unbelievable. And um, I told her, wow, I see why you don't like talking about your family because there's just too much that hasn't been put out to light, like in therapy, in groups, or just, you know, journaling things. Like, usually we're supposed to process these things when we're doing something that just puts it all out in the open. I learned that when I was in therapy. When you have mm -hmm. trauma inside, and especially yes. in your mind, but when you write things out and you read it and, like, you crumple it up or burn it, it has no effect over you. Mm. Excellent. Um... Is there any willingness, do you think, on her part um, where she would go to a counselor if you encouraged her to? And because right now that's what I'm looking for, a counselor that, um, that, that works in the Korean community. My mother would talk in English, but frankly her mind is still... Korean, even after living here for like the last 30 years. So my mom would definitely love to have a Korean caseworker or a Korean therapist on hand because there's just so much that she can't, that she can't express in English. Can she, does she read in English? Oh yes, my mother reads and writes in English and she speaks English too, but for the most okay. part she's really more comfortable in Korean. I, and I, and I understand. Um, so, okay, well, what I want to do and will do, I'm going to send you as a gift from our ministry. We have what we call Keys for Living on okay. the topic of depression. And in there will be different kinds of depression. But first, just you know, what is depression? And then and, and my thought is this is something that you could, look at first, and then you know, look at the parts that you think in particular would be helpful to her so uh -huh. that it will, it will describe the bipolar. And um, <clears throat> again, this is not her fault. If it's bipolar depression, um, this is what is going on in her brain. And and bipolar, the, the word bi, B-I, means two. Um, two. Two ends of a pole. Yes. And so um, bipolar, it, 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 this is a di called a disorder, and it impairs normal functioning. That's what a disorder is. Then there are all kinds of different 
disorders. And the good news, well, well, the bipolar um, disorder uh, is a, it, it can be extreme erratic um, behavior. That's the manic part where the, the person just feels so up and it lasts a minimum of a week. But, um, and and you, you've said that yours lasts longer, but then there it'll cycle to the extreme down. So the down would be the depressive that would last a minimum of, of two weeks. But the point that is really important is to be able to have help because everyone who has um, any kind of, of, of bipolar disorder, um, there are things that they can do, and typically they don't feel like, um, as I said earlier, taking the, the, the medication when they are manic because it's like, oh, I don't need it, I don't need it. And that's genu genuinely how they feel. But in this case, because it's a chemistry problem, uh, that will always be the most helpful to be able to know um, what to do about these stages. And we, we will describe what the um, symptoms are for manic episodes and symptoms of depressed uh, episodes. And uh, so... As you've seen her, how long has she had uh, this bipolar depression? Well, my mom confided in me. She had it around the same time that I got my diagnosis. So she got her when she was like 23, 24. Mm -hmm. Like right before she married my dad. And she thought that after she got married and after she had some kids that it would just be, you know, uh, um, an episode of her life that was just, um, that was finished. I mean, it was just a long season for her, but she didn't realize that there are consequences involved and there's a lot of sorting and organizing and trashing of old mindsets and old behaviors and thoughts. And for my mom, it's overwhelming because she's just like, that's all I've known for like the first 24 years of my life was your grandfather telling me what I can do, what I should do, what I don't need to do, and how I need to do it, and what, 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 what. And then mm. for every rule that I would break, he'd like get into a man, he'd get into a depressive rage and like try to impose his rule on, over my life, which is why I had such a hard time when I came to the U.S. and I saw um, um, the Korea town out in Virginia. We live in Virginia. And so mm -hmm. there's a Korean community in Centerville and Annandale and Springfield. And my mom would be like, I'd just be so angry. I wouldn't even care to go to the, visit the Korean community because Koreans have this very bipolar attitude towards mental disability. Like they act, um, they act like chameleons. And my mom was just like, I didn't want to be a part of that. That's why I didn't even care to go to Koreatown and interact with my culture mm -hmm. because I had already lived such a hellish experience back at home. So why would I want to revisit it again here? Wow, yes. And it's true. There are certain cultures that, and and I'm going to even use the term, certain religions. Yeah. Uh, uh, like there can be those who will speak against anything that is uh, that would require any kind of medication whatsoever. And, and I'm talking about 
it can be very dangerous, even a little baby that is uh, needing insulin uh, because there's a huge deficiency in their children who've died and their parents that have actually been uh, prosecuted because of not caring for children, but that but a church can say we don't believe in medication. It's like if a, if a if a child needs insulin because the body doesn't produce it, then there can be a chemical help with that. And um, but those who mean well, and I know they mean well, but if they're taught, no, um, if you take any medication, um, this is against God's will and you need to just trust God. Yet, as I said earlier, well, there are different kinds of, in fact, Luke in the Bible. There's Matthew, Martin, sorry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke um, was a physician. That's and right. Jesus not, did not say one negative thing about a physician. Um, in terms of that role that he had, and Luke wrote both um, the book, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, and he was used by God as a physician um, to be very detailed in his descriptions, especially if you look at at the Book of Acts. But the point is, um, there are, as I said, different people groups that will shun the use of, of medication. And, you know, this is going to be a, a helpful role that you will have. And I understand you're needing a Korean physician who has a, a, a giftedness um, in the area, that a profession of, um, of specifically... Well, it would be psychiatry. And so, um, and I I, I think there are sources um, that on the web you may find it. Does it matter to you if that person is a person of faith, as in a Christian? Yeah, that was the thing. My mom said she's open to translation, but most importantly, she wants a Christian physician attending to this matter. Wonderful. Okay. And um, there are, are, are godly, uh, yielded to Christ um, physicians, and I think that's going to be the most important, um, is trying to get her into, uh, a, with a, a, a Christian physician, um, and so... We need to pray about that first. The sound you're hearing is your generosity at work. That's our folding machine preparing hundreds of our short biblical resources to send to prisoners around the country. Hi, I'm Curtis Hale, president of Hope for the Heart. I want to say thank you for your prayers and financial support of our ministry. Thanks to your generosity, we've been able to send thousands of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to prisoners in Texas and to Rikers Island in New York City. These practical resources are pointing inmates to the hope of God's Word on issues like anger, abuse, depression, loneliness, salvation, and more. 
They're truly changing lives. And this is all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more life-changing biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online today at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. That's hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. No matter what you're facing, there's hope. Sometimes it's hard to believe that. When we face challenges at home, work, in our family, or maybe a private struggle, it can be hard to see what God is doing. The good news is, you're not alone. If you're facing a difficult life issue, we'd love to help. Give us a call at 1-800-917 to talk with June Hunt on the Hope in the Night broadcast. You can talk with June about any issue, whether it's family, marriage, anxiety, anger, abuse, grief, or just the everyday stress of life. June would love to hear your story and work through it together with God's Word. The Bible says there is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. If you'd like to talk with June, give us a call at 1-800-NIGHT-17. That's 1-800-644-4817. Your story might bless someone else's life. listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. This is a ministry of Hope for the Heart, offering God's truth for today's problems. We exist because of your ongoing prayers and continued support of this ministry. We thank you for that. If you have any questions about tonight's topic or any number of topics, really, there are over 100 of what we call Keys for Living that will help you to address your situation. Keys for Living provide biblical hope and practical help on a variety of topics, uh, such as stress, anxiety, fear, abuse, marriage, uh, depression, any number of things. So just uh, call our customer support team, talk to them about what kind of help you're looking for, what uh, issues you might be have that you're uh, dealing with in your life. And they'll help you to get the right information. Our keys for living on depression called Walking from Darkness into the Dawn. And customer support is available at 800-488-HOPE. That's uh, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. That number, 800-488-HOPE, is 800-488-4673. Also look at a full listing of our resources at hopefortheheart.org slash store, and you can purchase those directly through the website. Again, that's uh, the Keys for Living, the Lifeline to Hope online training. You might find out there about your church becoming um, uh, part of that as uh, looking to start or grow a care ministry in your church, as well as uh, finding June's uh, books and Bible studies other resources there. It's all at hopefortheheart.org slash store. Let's return to the conversation now with Kevin. Well, Kevin, I'm going to make a suggestion, and I'm not saying that this is the best way to do it, but um, it is not unusual when I, I have not known what to do to help someone. I would say, well, so I'm, I'm going to suggest that if you know a psychiatrist, um, and let's say that assume that that person is not Korean, and you would call that office and say, "I'm looking for help for my mother. I need to know is there a Korean psychiatrist, a Christian psychiatrist that you could recommend?" Uh, a lot of times, people doctors' offices give referrals, and and so the possibility you just say, "I'm looking." For my mother, a Korean uh, 
Christian psychiatrists, um, and then and call several offices just to see if that is uh, applicable. And um, I, I guess I could say if there's a listener who happens to know uh, one in Virginia, um, uh, are you near the capital or where are you? Located. Oh yes, yes, you got me, June. We live in um, we live in Alexandria, Virginia, and I live in Falls Church, and we're like twenty minutes out from DC. Yeah, that's great church. Okay, well, um, so if anyone knows, just send us an email, and we, you know, again, this is a a long shot, but um, that's we're just trying to help. Um, so since we know what would be helpful and your mom would be um, willing to, to consider it. And again, you're going to be getting our keys on depression, walking from darkness into the dawn. Um, is there something else that is right. a concern to you? Is there something else you would want us to talk about specifically? For sure, for sure. Just a quick little mention. My brother has autism. He has Asperger's. And um, with my bipolar diagnosis from 10 years ago, it really got to a fever pitch, like I think five years ago when he started to understand what mania was. And oftentimes he likes to gaslight me and think, well, since Sam's going to lose his temper, I guess I can just make it look like he has another manic episode. Because Mm. what do I know? I'm just some stupid Asperger's kid, you know? And I'm like, wow, mm. wow, even you, the high-functioning one, you're catching on to this, too. So wow. it's me trying to balance it out and be like, you know what? I can't give him any fuel to add to the fire because I already have enough going on in my head. I'm sorting things yep. out on the daily, and I'm going to help and getting referrals here and there. But every time I just happen to lose my temper, he's always quick to tell Dad, oh, Sam lost his, I mean, Kevin lost his temper again. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Mm. So, has he? Um, is he getting help for his Osbergers? Osberger? Yes, he is. He's getting help, but unfortunately, um, it's very basic. Like they're not doing anything advanced. Like he's at an elementary level when he should be at a high school level, and um, a lot of the materials and therapies that they're going with are just very basic and elementary. Like learning how to read, how to spell, and how to do math and read and write. Kevin's brother knows how to do that, but the problem is they don't think that he's capable of doing more because they don't see what stimulation he needs. And so it's just really frustrating because my mom and I get so aggravated with with this kid, and I'm just like, well, what are we supposed to do? I mean, you know how busy we are. We don't have time to take care of this kid. And my dad has a full-time job. He has actually a a couple of full-time jobs, so he certainly has no time for him. And so... um, that's the other struggle, like with my mom's um, depression and with my mania, like we butt heads so much that it often seems like we're just talking to nobody. We're just talking to a reflection of ourselves while Kevin's brother just sits there and goes to the bank saying, oh, yeah, I knew it. Mom and mm-hmm. Kevin are going crazy again. Ah. Well, you know, autism is really challenging because... There is a difficulty in social 
interaction. Oh, yeah. Meaning normal, healthy, what, what we would say would be on the normal spectrum. And uh, so there's a severity of uh, social communication impairments. Um, and it, um, it's, I, I have a, a nephew who, um, you know, just, I, you, you don't expect there to be typical responses um, because it, that's just not his, his, he has an inability in that area. And of course there will be repetitive patterns of behavior. What, what are some of his repetitive, like sometimes uh, motor movements? Um, oh, quite a few, quite a few, Jim, but the main ones are um, he loves to repeat himself and he likes to occupy himself in his room all day. And then when he does go outside, he likes to go out for four to five hours at a time. And then he'll eat like half of the refrigerator in mom's house. And mom will be like, why are you eating all of my food? I called you for mm -hmm. breakfast and lunch and dinner. And yet you decided to eat it all in one sitting. And the most ironic but frustrating one is how this boy just loves to cling to dad. Like dad's the only person that exists in this whole world. And I'm mm. like, wow, you're that basic, aren't you? You really are convinced that dad is the only person that can help you. Mm. Well, they have, uh, there's a fixation that's normal. Okay. Normal for those who are on the autism spectrum. Um, <clears throat> and they get fixated on certain interests or, okay. um, and, and uh, it's a, abnormal intensity uh, or, or focus, uh, a strong attachment or preoccupation with sometimes unusual objects or excessive, um, excessive interests. And the, the, the difficulty is that's normal for them. So it's not your normal and it's not the normal of the populace, people in, in that you'll be around most of the time, but, and it, you know, can deal with numbers or uh, repeating uh, repetitive patterns of behavior. And that would be, that, that is normal for the autistic brain. So it's not like, um, ju just as you're normal, if being more manic, that is your normal based on what's going on with brain chemistry. Correct. Well, for autism, and this is what has helped me with my nephew, um, because you know, he would get fixated <clears throat> on certain things and he couldn't, uh, he couldn't do normal school. Um, okay. And social demands that would be normal, um, that would be, it, it would just exceed his capacity. And therefore, it's not that they can't learn. 
in fact, I'll tell you what what they what helped my nephew. They put him um, with others who also were autistic uh, on a farm, and he was able to um, take animals and like whether it's horses or some farm animals and okay. he was he really exceeded but it was those who knew how to deal with autism and um he um later began to run and that was healthy for him and i was very surprised because he seemed rather awkward in his gait and his um in walking and yet somehow there were some skills that he learned but it was the interesting thing was when he was caring for animals um, by the way do you all have any animal whether it's a dog or cat or anything like that we had some birds but unfortunately he couldn't take care of them because he was just too occupied with something else and he just left it for me and mom and dad to finish Mm-hmm. And I'm not advocating. I'm just asking how was I was going to ask how would he be with like a dog or something like that. But well, sure, yeah. sure, I can tell you. Um, he gets along very well with a lot of animals, but personally, he prefers birds and fish. Oh, really? Yes. Interesting. Okay. It is because I mean they're small and you can't touch them, you know. And um, Mm-hmm. They, there's a lot of high maintenance, but um, for some reason, he's content with the small things. He doesn't like big animals. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's interesting because they are not, they can have more difficulty with tactile, meaning touching. Um, you know, hugging is not typically, uh, that has to be developed. Um, and and But it, so it doesn't surprise me that he would be uh, I, I think just just realize a person doesn't want like he doesn't want to be autistic um, and and so it's just trying to figure out okay what could be meaningful to him and if when he says things that are um, difficult for you I mean where you would have a tendency to get angry just say, you know, um, I, I just pray one day that more and more he will be able to adjust. It's because it's really not about you. Um, it is an illness he has, and and I would pray for him and just say, God, give me a heart to pray for my brother, and may I may I express the character of Christ to him the compassion of Christ Um, compassion says I'll be there for you we will send our keys for living on the topic of depression called walking from darkness into the dawn we'll send that out to tonight's caller and we do that free of charge because of your generous support of this ministry and if you'd like to give to keep those resources going out and to keep this program on the air you may do so at hopefortheheart.org slash give hope and we thank you you may order resources for yourself at 800-488-HOPE anytime Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. Our materials and past programs are available at hopefortheheart.org. Also, our program can be found on all major podcast platforms. 
Until next time, for June Hunt, I'm Jeff Oliver saying you hang on to hope.